0: Hello, this is Seth Pearson coming to you luxuriously from Los Angeles, California on November 6th, 2012, Election Day. Now, this episode of the By That I Mean podcast you're about to hear was recorded several weeks ago, and it features myself and my co-host Asia Coleman. So some of the articles and topics of discussion are going to have a timestamp a little bit before the present moment, but each and every second of it is relevant and still applies. As I said, it is election day, and I want everyone out there who's ever listened to an episode of this podcast to please heed my call to go to your local polling station and cast your vote today. Sometimes our vote is not affirmative, Sometimes our vote is not one to confirm a candidate or a particular set of candidates or even a particular party. Sometimes our vote is necessary to negate, to deny a specific candidate, group of candidates, party or set of ideas, the ability to be represented as the majority opinion in our country. And this day is the clearest of those days that i've observed in my lifetime and if we have absolutely any chance of dealing head-on with the real problems that our species faces we're gonna have to get rid of some of the turds who call themselves republicans in this country and there are no two bones about it anymore and on a more somber note A bitch named Sandy ravaged the East Coast while we were away from by that I mean. So I want you all to please don't hold anyone in your thoughts or prayers because that's a fucking bullshit rhetorical device. Please donate. Please donate give as much as you can, anything you can, to the Red Cross, redcross.org, or any of the other legitimate charitable organizations who are trying to get people over there the things that they need to deal with this crisis and to heal. And like I said, if we as a species are going to deal with the real problems we have, such as, oh, I don't know, a climate melting down and sending historically unprecedented storms into New York City... We're going to have to deal with some shit first, but we are not able to tell the storms to delay themselves so we can vote out Republicans. We have to be able to deal with both. So anyone who was affected by that hurricane, please know we are going to do what we can so you can do what you can and... I hope that everyone in the Eastern Seaboard is able to vote in any of the expanded ways that have been offered to you today. So please enjoy this episode of the By That I Mean podcast after you voted. I've put a special patch of software in this episode that will require you to show your computer an I Voted sticker before you listen to it. No, that's actually not true. In fact, I I encourage you to take us, to take me in the By That I Mean podcast into the voting booth with you. But either way, here is the 25th episode of the By That I Mean podcast. Vote them all out. Hey! Hey, how's it going? It's going okay. It was a very good day. What happened? I had physical therapy, Mm -hmm. which is good in and of itself. Today, right now, is the beginning of my week-long vacation. Birthday vacation. My birthcation? Good. And my mom is coming here. She's coming to visit for the first time in, I think, a little over a year. So I'm super excited for that.
1: That's nice.
0: Yeah. Tell her I
1: said
0: hello. Oh, I certainly will. I don't
1: know. If she'll know what that means.
0: But- <laughs> I wish we could go... I wish we could get brunch... You and me and my mom. Oh, that would be adorable. That would be so cute. I love Lady Lunches. Also with Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Lady (laughs) Lunches. Also with a puppy.
1: (laughs) Weird. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I don't have an outfit. I need to get something to wear that's appropriate. Oh. Not that this is actually going to happen in real life, but... If it were to happen I would be completely unprepared.
0: You would be caught unawares.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: How are you, Asia?
1: I'm okay, I'm drunk. Whatever. It's normal. (laughs) I'm okay. I just watched Omar.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I drink a lot of wine and I had some brownies. I had a brownie Sundays.
0: Ooh. That sounds decadent.
1: It was like Trader Joe's brownie mix, so you buy the mix and it's not even a mix. You just put the shit in a pan and bake it.
0: It's a drop.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a cookie dough. It's like that, but it's a uh, brownie mix. Okay. It wasn't that great. But the Sunday part was good.
0: The Sunday part is always good.
1: Like when you get to the edges, they're not like amazing brownie edges, they're like manufactured process edges so
0: they're not that great Ooh, that's unfortunate
1: yeah but the inside was good so i give it a c <laughs> wow.
0: i don't eat c brownies anymore i used to eat c or d brownies i used to eat those what were they uh fucking were they little debbie like the little ones with nuts in them and they're like those are d at best and I used to wolf those.
1: Those are like F. Like the ones you get in the like the package with the
0: The clear plastic wrapper.
1: Those are disgusting. Those, those are F brownies. Are
0: so fucking, they're F brownies. Those
1: are F brownies.
0: <laughs> I think we cannot call this episode F brownies. Because that would totally be misinterpreted. <laughs>
1: yeah, but no, no, those are F brownies.
0: Mitt Romney kind of decided to light his campaign on fire since the last time we recorded. That was even after the disastrous Republican convention with the Clint Eastwood speech to a chair. I
1: remember that. And the sea of white people.
0: The first completely fucking disastrous decision was in light of protests in Libya and Egypt that were in response to a video on YouTube. That video on YouTube is called The Innocence of Muslims. And we'll get back to Mitt Romney in a second, but let's touch on the video. Yes. The Arab Spring has turned out to be what it really was the whole time, which is a lot of separate countries with very separate and different situations overthrowing dictators and trying to set up new governments for themselves. And a 14-minute or so video recently appeared on YouTube, and it's called The Innocence of Muslims, and it has been promoted and went viral and was passed along by radical Islamic clerics in the Middle East, and there have been riots and demonstrations and protests in response to it at several American embassies around the world. From the Huffington Post, it was shot on a Hollywood set, and its film permit was connected to a Christian charity. The Innocence of Muslims was partially filmed on a set built for the CBS TV show JAG. (laughs) I shit you not. Portions of the low-budget film were shot in Santa Clarita, California, on an area of the Blue Cloud Film Ranch called Baghdad Square. This set has been used by TV and movie productions, including Iron Man, Arrested Development, and CSI, to recreate Middle Eastern war zones. Absolutely amazing. So with this YouTube video, and it's a trailer for a film called Innocence of Muslims, let's start with the production values. It Uh looks like it was made for $0.00 and negative 50 cents. Uh, Let's
1: start with the budget. Let's start with the budget.
0: This film is basically filled with the most rank bigotry against Muslims and against the Islamic faith. It shows the Prophet Muhammad as a lecherous child molester and rapist and maniac And it was claimed initially, um, back when it was still unclear who actually made it and who was responsible for it, it was claimed that it cost $5 million to make and that it was raised from, what was it, 50 Jewish donors or something like that?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, of course, it always gets blamed on the Jews first. Yeah. Um... Turns out, wasn't actually funded by Jews. Didn't actually cost five million dollars. It was financed and directed by very shady people. And do you remember the first name that was identified as a possible person who directed *The Innocence of Muslims*? Sam Basile? Yeah, that was it. And then that changed into Nakula Basile Nakula. <laughs> Slightly different name.
1: I, mean, I think I mean, that's his actual name, isn't
0: it? That is his actual name, and he lives in California in, I think, Cerritos or something. He was identified as the maker of the video, um, and he was taken into police custody, but then eventually released after being questioned, and it turns out that it wasn't him. It wasn't actually directed by him. It was directed by Alan Roberts. (laughs) And this is also from Gawker.com. The director of Innocence of Muslims is a schlocky, softcore porn director named Alan Roberts. And this is by Adrian Chen. The anti-Islam film that set off a firestorm in the Middle East was directed by a 65-year-old schlock director named Alan Roberts. He's the creative vision behind softcore porn classics like The Happy Hooker Goes Hollywood. (laughs) And the initial title of this movie was called Desert Warriors. And they filmed a feature film. They got cast members and crew from throughout California. And they made a film, just like a drama film, a period piece about ancient Egypt. And they had no idea that the movie would be edited and dubbed into a piece of Islamophobic propaganda. And from the story, the backstory behind how Roberts became director is still unclear. A friend of the guy, Alan Roberts, said Roberts was non-political and did not have any apparent anti-Islam feelings. Roberts may have been duped by the film's producer in much the same way as the rest of the cast and crew. This friend of the director says they redubbed it, they brought in the actors, put in new sounds, changed the names. Wow. They had thought it was this Nakula, Baseli, Nakula guy who, it turns out, had been convicted as, like, a meth cook and fucking charged with a million dollars of bank fraud or some shit. Mm -hmm. Turned out to be directed by Alan Roberts, but one of the other people involved in the YouTube video was a quote-unquote consultant and a spokesman But not the filmmaker. And there's a picture of him on guardian.co.uk on the Guardian's website, and he looks like fucking Sam Elliott. It's amazing. He's like this middle-aged-ish white guy with a total Sam Elliott stash. His name's Steve Klein. Oh, who is he? Well, he's an anti-Islamic activist and a self-described counter-terrorism expert. (laughs) Self-described. And he said he acted as a consultant on the film. He has worked with Coptic Christian groups, which is the Christians in Egypt.
1: Yeah, Coptic, yeah, the Egypt, which is just, <laughs>
0: Christian. That, that video was promoted by a lot of Coptic Christian groups. And it was also promoted by Terry Jones, that F- Florida pastor asshole who burned the Quran. remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Steve Klein guy has been working with Coptic groups. I found another article about him from the Southern Poverty Law Center from Spring 2012 by Leah Nelson. And the headline is, Church at Kaua Spreads Hateful Militant Christian Views. This is at splcenter.org. In a 22-acre compound at the southern edge of Sequoia National Park in California, a secretive cohort of militant Christian fundamentalists is preparing for war. One of the men helping train the flock in the art of combat, a former Marine named Steve Klein, believes that California is riddled with Muslim Brotherhood sleeper cells who are awaiting the trigger date and will begin randomly killing as many of us as they can. I know I'm getting prepared to shoot back. And he works with this church, uh, this church called the Church at Kawea. And at the head of that church is Pastor Warren Mark Campbell, who sees yet another enemy on the horizon, the New World Order, that chimera of the conspiracists who populate the resurgent anti-government patriot movement. This tiny church has been well outside the mainstream since the early 1990s when the founding pastor, the father of the current guy, bought into the notion that churches should shun all government regulation and answer solely to God. Since then, the church has become increasingly radical, ramping up its paramilitary activities and forging alliances with an array of figures revered on the radical right, among them militia and patriot leaders, white supremacists, neo-confederates, border vigilantes, and Christian reconstructionists, whose goal is to turn America into a theocracy based on the Old Testament. This church worked with the Minutemen, who, if you remember, were those Middle-aged white guys who were patrolling the Mexican border with rifles, with assault rifles. Uh Despite all the talk about Mexicans and government tyranny, the church at Kauai appears to be preparing for a showdown with a different enemy, Muslims. The church's obsession with Muslims appears to have begun in 2010 when it invited white Zimbabwean evangelist Peter Hammond to speak at its conference. Hammond heads a South African ministry called Frontline Fellowship that is anti-Islam, anti-gay, anti-abortion, and anti-communist. He believes all churches should be armed and ready for attack. (laughs) Over the past year, Johnson and the church militia have developed a relationship with Steve Klein, a longtime religious right activist who brags about having led a hunter-killer team as a Marine in Vietnam. In 2011, as head of the Concerned Citizens for the First Amendment, Mr. Klein worked with the Vista, California-based Christian Anti-Defamation Commission on a campaign to quote-unquote arm students with the truth about Islam and Muhammad by leafleting high schools with literature depicting the Prophet Muhammad as a sex-crazed pedophile. Oh, sound familiar? Klein, based in Hemet, California, has been active in extremist movements for decades. In 1977, he founded Courageous Christians United, which conducts respectful confrontations outside of abortion clinics, Mormon temples, and mosques. Klein also has ties to the Minutemen movement. There's even more like I'm going to post a link to this article, the Southern Poverty Law Center article, but it's a reminder that there's more behind this video, obviously, than it appeared there was at the time, even as crazy as it appeared at the time. Mm -hmm. It's kind of scary. The company kept and the people who produced this movie, it clearly shows that they knew exactly what they were doing. They're trying to provoke war. Yeah. Because they believe they're ready for it.
1: I mean, if they're ready for it, why would they just personally go over it themselves? Them and their army of Minutemen and just...
0: Or their army of Craigslist actors.
1: I honestly don't believe they knew what they were getting into.
0: Oh, I honestly don't either. And it's so sad. Like, several of them have gotten death threats and they've been forced to go into hiding. Like, it's terrible. So the video gets posted, talkingpointsmemo.com. They put together a handy timeline. On July 2nd, the video gets posted. On September 5th, an anti-Muslim Egyptian-American Coptic Christian draws attention to the trailer in an Arabic language blog post and an English language email newsletter. On September 9th, Egyptian television airs an Arabic language scene from the film. On September 11th, in anticipation of the ensuing uproar, because they hear this is coming, the U.S. Embassy in Cairo issues a statement condemning all attempts to abuse free speech rights to offend people of any religion. Unarmed protesters gather outside the embassy throughout the day. By nightfall, some protesters scale the walls around the compound in Cairo and destroy a flag inside. And then later that afternoon, that's when the embassy in Libya was attacked. So 5.41 p.m. is when reporters in Libya hear shooting and see smoke rising near the U.S. consulate in Benghazi. 7.35 p.m., Reuters confirms that an American consulate staffer has been killed in Benghazi, and that's the guy who they identified as uh, Sean Smith. Um, 10.09 p.m., The Romney campaign issues a statement from Mitt Romney himself condemning the Obama administration for the Cairo embassy's repudiation of religiously insensitive speech. It falsely suggests that the Cairo embassy's condemnation came in response to the attacks in Egypt and Libya. Mitt Romney said, It's disgraceful that the Obama administration's first response was not to condemn attacks on our diplomatic missions, but to sympathize with those who waged the attacks. The statement is embargoed, meaning the press cannot report on it until midnight, September 12th. The moment the Obama and Romney campaign's September 11th truce is scheduled to end. Unfortunately, it wasn't just Sean Smith who was killed. The U.S. ambassador to Libya, Chris Stevens, was also killed in Benghazi. And this is from Huffington Post. Libyans tried to rescue Ambassador Chris Stevens, cheering God is great and rushing him to a hospital after they discovered him still clinging to life inside the U.S. consulate, according to witnesses in a new video that emerged Monday from last week's attack in the city of Benghazi. The group of Libyans had stumbled across Stevens' seemingly lifeless form inside a dark room and didn't know who he was, only that he was a foreigner. The account underlines the confusion that reigned during the assault by protesters and heavily armed gunmen that overwhelmed the consulate in Benghazi last Tuesday night, killing four Americans, including Stevens, who died from smoke inhalation soon after he was found. The Libyans were actually trying to save him. But also, apparently, the U.S. government at first believed... It was a result of the protests against this video, but it is possible now that it was either the work of Al-Qaeda or some other terrorist group in the Middle East. The, the way that Mitt Romney responded to this, to me it was like when John McCain suspended his campaign when the financial crisis hit in 2008. And he, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. He was like, I have to suspend my campaign now to work, go back to Washington and do the American people's work. And he just, like, showed up at a couple hearings and literally did nothing and contributed nothing whatsoever.
1: Do you think that 47% of voters will never vote for him because, you know, they're dependent upon government, they like being dependent upon government, and they don't pay income taxes? Is that him taking the time to get to know the average American? I don't think so. That's him taking the time to get to know what he wants to know, or things he wants to know about Americans.
0: He's comfortable believing what he was told, and what he is told, and the language of the Ayn Randian super wealthy people, and the people who are funding his campaign, in their minds, half of this country is worthless. From MotherJones.com, Romney went on from saying all the things that you restated and said, My job is not to worry about those people. I'll never convince them they should take personal responsibility and care for their lives. It was from a video surreptitiously recorded at a fundraiser at a Boca Raton home of controversial private equity manager Mark Ladaire on May 17th. There's like a 48-minute-long video.
1: And you watched the whole thing, didn't
0: you? Um, I actually didn't watch all of it. Some amazing sections have been taken out of it. In one, he talks about the 47%, of course. In one of them, he talks about how he believes that uh, Israel and Palestine, that there will never be a two-state solution. Yeah, no, I saw that part, yeah. And that he would just kick the can down the road for peace in the Middle East. Which, I mean, if, if anyone is paying any attention to what's going on in the Middle East, surely what we have to do is just keep kicking the can down the road. Um, the only problem is there are tanks on that road, <laughs> and that road <laughs> is on fire and has exploded and is getting drones striked from above. He takes a, the
1: normal waspy approach, which is not my problem. Let somebody else
0: deal with that. Right. And there's one part where he says that if he wins, the stock market is going to react favorably. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, his complete lack of knowledge on dirty bombs.
0: Oh, God. Like he, he tries to give advice to the Iranian government of how to launch a terror attack in America. And he says, oh, set off a dirty bomb. But he has absolutely no understanding of what a dirty bomb actually is. So, like, he, he not only doesn't understand what Iran is capable of, he also doesn't understand what dirty bombs are. And these are things that you would probably want to know about if you're a president who has to deal with both.
1: That's true. It was a private dinner,
0: $50,000 a plate. It was one of those quiet rooms that Mitt Romney has talked about before. It's the same quiet rooms that he says we have to talk about tax rates in. And so, obviously, this is what he says in in there. From the Washington Post, let's dice up and dissect the 47%. In his comments, Mitt Romney says that these are people who pay no income tax, but they are people who are dependent upon government, who believe that they are victims, who believe the government has a responsibility to care for them, who believe that they are entitled to health care, to food, to housing, to you name it. In other words, Romney is arguing that about 47% of the country is a taker class that pays little or nothing into the federal government, but wants to tax the productive classes for free healthcare, food, housing, etc. And obviously, Romney's not alone in this concern. Like He's in league with a ton of other Republicans, and of course, Paul Ryan and Michelle Bachman. But among the Americans who paid no federal income taxes in 2011, 61% paid payroll taxes which means they have jobs, and when you account for both sides of the payroll tax, they pay 15.3% of their income in taxes, which is higher than the 13.9% that Romney paid. Another 22% of the 47% were elderly. So 83% of those not paying federal income taxes are either working and paying payroll tax, or they're elderly, and Mitt Romney is promising to protect their benefits because they've earned them. The remainder aren't paying federal income or payroll taxes because they're unemployed. But that's a small fraction of the country. But here's the real insanity of this new position of the Romney campaign, that they're discarding half of the country. Part of the reason so many Americans don't pay federal income taxes is that Republicans have passed a series of very large tax cuts that wiped out the income tax liability for many Americans. Ronald Reagan's 1986 tax reform and George W. Bush's 2001 and 2003 tax cuts. Yeah. Some of those tax cuts for the poor were there to make the tax cuts for the rich more politically palatable. But now, of course, they're demonizing the people that they gave tax cuts to because they're non-rich. And they want to take away the tax cuts that all non-rich Americans get in order to give more tax cuts to the rich.
1: It's crazy. was he just asleep during the 99% movement? Was he just asleep?
0: He wasn't the first person to talk about this, like forty-seven percent. This bowled up from the right-wing blogs. There was a right-wing blogger and CNN fucking anchor named Eric Erickson, who was this right-wing shill, and he started bitching about that the moment that Occupy Wall Street started. His like pithy response to it was like, "Oh, then why doesn't half the country pay income taxes?" <laughs> It's a perfect argument from the perspective of the wealthy people because then they get to disavow any responsibility to 99% of the country under the guise of thinking of themselves as victimized by the quote-unquote 47%'s unwillingness to pay into the system.
1: It's just crazy. I would like to know which newspapers Mitt wealthy reads. Because other than the Wall Street Journal, I I can't, I can't imagine.
0: They need to ask him the Sarah Palin questions, like, what does he read?
1: Like, you have to make an attempt to be that isolated from the real world.
0: Yeah, and it was the same total unpresidentialness, that's not a word, but it is, (laughs) that he displayed in throwing himself into the middle of the fucking Libya situation and the Egypt riots, you know, like, it's crazy, but what's really scary is that these are the people who are funding Mitt Romney's campaign and this is what he's telling them you know and of course he's telling them he's presenting to them the person that they want him to be but I instinctively feel like this is closer to the real him this is closer to authentic I mean do you agree?
1: yeah completely I mean you have to pay $30,000 a plate
0: to get into this dinner right you can start with that obviously the people there have money yeah.
1: And it's weird because they chose the people with 50000 expendable dollars. Like, most of these people are asking the most ignorant questions one could ask. Or just trying to kiss his ass.
0: Well, and of course, this $50,000 dinner is not their sole contribution. Whatever this $50,000 is, is going to be trifling compared to... The like the donations that he's ultimately hoping to get from them. These are probably like Um, multi, 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 multi millionaires. You know,
1: if I'm a real person and I have fifty thousand expendable dollars, like the first thing on my mind is not having a dinner with Mitt Romney. That's probably the last. Right? Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the the rich really are different than us. They spend most of their time figuring out where to put their money so they can avoid paying taxes on it.
1: I thought that they spent most of their time figuring out where to summer. <laughs> oh, no. They,
0: they have to the help figure out where to summer.
1: <laughs> the people that use the word summer as a verb. Yep. You know, they're looking for tax loopholes, how to completely destroy and bankrupt companies and still look like they're good people. I mean, they're just, it's
0: like, ah. in the second part of like the second video, he talked about how he'd like to fire much of the workforce at the Securities and Exchange Commission and at the U.S. Commodity Future Trading Commission, two agencies that serve critical roles in regulating the financial sector. And that's from Huffington Post. So yeah, he's gonna fire everyone at the government agencies that are supposed to regulate Wall Street.
1: Yeah, that's really not a surprise.
0: Again, not a surprise. <laughs> it's 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 not that any of this is surprise. What's surprising. What's surprising is how thoroughly and easily and excitedly he rolls out this ambitious and radical agenda behind closed doors and will say nothing in public. I
1: think what's, most surprising, what's surprising. No, I think what's most surprising is that he wants to be president. And has no concept of the digital age. Yeah, that too. Like, has not heard of YouTube. How freaking terrifying is that? Because he can say whatever he wants to say and doesn't realize that it can be broadcast, not just nationally, but internationally.
0: Today, Mitt Romney, again, the desperate, desperate man, with 40 days left to go in this election, released his 2011 tax return. Also from HuffingtonPost.com, he paid an effective tax rate of 14.1%. The best part of that is he did not take all the charitable deductions to which he was entitled for his 2011 taxes in order to keep his tax return from falling below a threshold that would falsify an earlier assertion that he'd never paid lower than a 13% tax rate. So he's releasing one year of taxes. And he artificially inflated that year's taxes in order to not now be a liar about this too. (laughs) (laughs) The best part of that, after the election, he can recoup the money. Whether he becomes president or not, Romney would be fully within his rights to file an amended return requiring the Treasury to cut him a substantial check.
1: This is freaking great.
0: It's so, it's so beautiful. He is just fully revealing himself. He is blooming before the world. And it's hilarious.
1: The most amazing part about this is that you can obviously see the differences in the candidates from just this very act. Oh, yes. For instance, there was a whole birther movement, obviously, for Barack Obama. And, you know, he had released his birth certificate. It wasn't good enough, you know? So, and this is how I remember it, Osama bin Laden was killed by national forces, and then also that same week, Barack Obama released his log for a birth certificate from public pressure.
0: The Tea Party, basically, and the birthers, Republicans, two slightly... They're the
1: same thing. (laughs) It's like the same.
0: Well, but some of the Tea Partiers want defense cuts.
1: We're arguing semantics, and we're getting away from my point. Yeah, sorry. And I'm making a fucking political point, Seth, and that rarely has ever happened.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Because don't care enough about politics.
0: You're getting, you're becoming such an angry drunk right now. <laughs> don't hulk out, Asia.
1: I'm not going to hulk out, Seth. Okay. It's just like, I'm trying to make a point here, and you keep interrupting me. I'm sorry. Anyway, so that's how I remember it. It wasn't even he had to do it. It wasn't public scrutiny. It was literally just one party scrutiny of him that made him, like, to do this. But he still, it was, like, you know, the same week. It was very classy, actually, because he didn't really say much about it. It was just, like, so I was blood and killed. And then he also happened to release his verse again, but there wasn't, like, a press conference about this. It just, it just happened.
0: Right. It was just, like, a press release or something.
1: I mean, it's, just, it's, it's really telling to me that... You know, when somebody is forced to do something from pressure from all sides and they do it and they submit falsified documents, and think they just get away with it. And it's 2012. It's like we have
0: news media. We have YouTube. We have the Internet There's now. There's everything. It's like, do you not understand that these things exist? I know that you said the fact checkers. You know what else exists, Asia? What? Photography is a thing that exists. Yeah. I can't As our as our motion picture and video cameras? Did you happen to see um, that Mitt Romney dyed his face brown at the Univision presidential forum? This is from Gawker.com. Mitt Romney dyed his face brown to appeal to Latino voters. Mittens trails President Obama among registered Latino voters by nearly 40%. And of course, one of the things he said at the dinner was that it would be helpful to have been born Latino, but it's gotten so bad. Like, honestly, if you look at the photos, you just need to look at the photo. I'll, I'll post that along with the other stuff. It was an Univision event, obviously in Spanish and English. Honestly, it, it really looks like he dyed his face brown I don't know if it's self-tanning. I don't know if it's, like, makeup. But it even looks like he missed his eyes. And he definitely missed his hands. (laughs) And, like, they've got side-by-side photos here. I I don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe it. I want that to be a stupid, silly thing that I just made up. But honestly, I wouldn't put it past him. Would you? (laughs) At this point, like, given... I mean, brown-faced himself to go talk to Latinos? I mean, come on, Asia, who let the tacos out? Who? Who?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. It just seems like something somebody who obviously has no concept of other
0: cultures would do. Another truly amazing thing. There are so many truly amazing things about this dinner of Mitt Romney's. I mean, like, how much magic can you pack into a dinner? In naming the 47%, oh yeah, which I forgot to mention also includes active duty soldiers at war. Um, Battlefield pay for soldiers is not taxable income. In calling out the 47%, he also excluded his own family, his own parents' family, because they immigrated to America from Mexico. Mitt Romney's dad and mom were on welfare. His family fled to the United States from their Mormon colony when he was a child during the Mexican Revolution. His, ba- his family benefited from a refugee fund established by Congress. That's
1: amazing.
0: And this was a welfare program specifically for the Mormons who were fleeing Mexico. And he's talking about people who feel entitled to food, shelter, and basic needs. When what he's literally doing is wanting to unravel every single thing that he benefited from. So <laughs>
1: oh, wow. it's crazy. You know, I that video to me just reminded me of like the frat, you know? Yes. That was like a
0: frat house. It's the fraternity of money. You know, they are part of the moneyed class and there is most certainly a fraternity in it. Not much of a sorority, more of one now than there ever has been, but still.
1: I mean, as much stupid shit as Republicans have said about women, and as much exclusionary tactics go on, I don't understand. I literally do not understand how women can still vote Republican. It's just baffling to me.
0: Especially when Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan are now saying that all of the anti-abortion bills and the abortion restrictions across the states are national models for the country. Remember, the Republican platform bans all abortions, without exception for rape, incest, or the life of the mother. It's just that Mitt Romney flip-flopped and said after that came out that, oh, that's just the platform. That's not what I'm going to base all my policies on. So again, it's not even just that he won't say these terrible things about non-rich people in public, he won't say what his actual policies are in public. So it's important that more videos like this get taken by any means necessary, um, peacefully of course, because this might be our only chance to actually understand who this guy is outside of the debates, of course. But yeah, it's, it's... a wonderful and serendipitous thing for this video to have been released now. Yeah, like also funny. Um, just a fun fact: Paul Ryan and and Mitt Romney have been comparing Obama to Jimmy Carter. And the person who actually negotiated the release of the video was Jimmy Carter's grandson. Yeah,
1: I must have received this blue dollar without story. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, I was gonna say, it was like, according to the video, according to Mitt Romney, like. If you want to know his policy, you can read his book. But people won't do that. It looks a really, really interesting policies
0: Well, and there, are no, there, and there are no policies in it. They're just attacks on Obama for, quote-unquote, apologizing for America.
1: I've actually not read the book, so I wouldn't know. And I don't really plan to read the book. And it's not because I don't read or don't like to read. As I wouldn't spend $50,000 a plate have dinner and a Romney function, it's not because of the money. It's because I don't want to waste that time in my life that I could never get back.
0: Exactly. But I mean, since we can't participate in those dinners, all we have is our time and energy and our votes. Of course, as we've discussed previously on the By That I Mean podcast, the vote itself is at stake in this election. Tons of states have been passing or trying to pass voter ID laws requiring new forms of ID that voting has never required before. And Republican governors across the country have engaged in voter purges of eligible voters that should not be kicked off voter rolls and shouldn't be disenfranchised. And it's estimated that up to 5 million people, 5 million American citizens could be refused, that their votes could go uncounted. And it's important to understand how much more difficult it's been made to vote. It's important to understand also why that mindset of the maker and the taker class, the 47%, justifies voter suppression and disenfranchising people.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's been several, several polls about this where in any election year, if people that could vote did vote, it would be an overwhelming Democratic majority every year.
0: And that was especially true in 2010. And we know that a lot of people stayed home during the midterm elections. And that allowed in a wave, the Tea Party wave of shit, and if we don't turn out in undeniable numbers to vote the Tea Partiers and the Republicans out, then more voter ID laws like these are going to be passed. And thankfully, the Obama administration and the Justice Department have set about challenging state by state all of these laws and these restrictions. And mo- many, many, many of them are getting overturned, thankfully, and thrown out and modified and softened considerably or delayed until after the election altogether. Um, perhaps the harshest voter ID law in the country, the one in Pennsylvania has been so far upheld and it's going before the state Supreme court, but it's, it's so far been upheld through a couple lower court challenges and, uh, from pewstates.org, sponsor of Pennsylvania voter ID law says only lazy people would lose chance to vote. The sponsor of Pennsylvania's voter identification law says only lazy people would be disenfranchised by requirements to show photo identification at the polls. Speaking to Pittsburgh radio station KDKA on September 19th, Daryl Metcalf, a House Republican, said no legitimate voter that actually wants to exercise that right and takes on the according responsibility would be disenfranchised by the law. But critics argue that the law would suppress voter turnout among thousands of poor, elderly and minority voters, a population less likely to own a photo ID and more likely to vote Democratic. Again, starting his quote, as Mitt Romney said, 40% of the people that are living off the public dole, living off their neighbor's hard work, and we have a lot of people out there that are too lazy to get up and get out there and get the ID they need. If individuals are too lazy, the state can't fix that. Metcalf told a radio host, referring to the GOP presidential candidate's secretly recorded remarks. Yeah, wow. uh Oh, and actually, an update from the article on Tuesday, the state Supreme Court sent the case back to a lower court, asking them whether the law is actually ready to be used in November. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense, because if your theory is that the maker class is comprised of just superior people for whatever reason. Of course, they never understand that the reason is money. But if you believe that you're a superior species, then of course no one else who isn't in your tribe, who isn't part of your group, deserves to have a say, right? Like to me, this totally finally explains it. it not explains it. It's what finally lays it out in the open for absolutely everyone to see. Like it could not be more obvious now why Republicans are trying to deny people their vote. Right.
1: So in order to vote in Pennsylvania, you now need to have a photo
0: ID. It's not only that, but they require specific kinds of photo ID with specific information that are issued by certain people. A lot of senior citizens, they're no longer accepting things like some military IDs. Like uh, there's stuff like that. It's, it's in different states are trying to pass different things, you know, but at this point, it's not going to be just laws that are challenging people's votes and this is from the huffington post from the journalist dan frumkin minority voters to be intimidated by polling place vigilantes Concerned that a veritable army of Tea Partiers will descend on polling places in minority neighborhoods to challenge and intimidate voters on election day, two public interest groups on Monday called for government officials to take extra steps to protect voters' rights. There's a new report from Common Cause and Demos that are two left-wing think tanks titled Bullies at the Ballot Box, and it describes efforts by right-wing groups, foremost among them a Tea Party spinoff group called True the Vote, to train as many as one million volunteers in quote-unquote poll watching here's the scariest part this is how they explain why and how the groups are targeting racial minorities and others who have a past of being targeted the report notes that true the vote official bill ouran has told volunteers that they should make voters feel quote-unquote like they're driving and seeing the police following you and the president of the True the Vote Coalition partner Judicial Watch has accused the Obama administration of trying to mobilize the food stamp army and steal the election with the illegal alien vote.
1: Well, those are lofty claims. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, at least it's classier than grandfather clauses. That's all I can say.
0: Classier than what?
1: Grandfather clauses.
0: But honestly, this this is... This has been described as a new Jim Crow, and if you look at a map of the states that are passing all of these, except for Pennsylvania and a couple other ones, it's the former Confederacy. Yes. It is, and that's thankfully that ended up meaning that's, uh, that many of their harshest voting restrictions got thrown out because they required federal clearance under the civil, under the Voting Rights Act in order to change their voting rules ironically in places that weren't pennsylvania it was actually easier to challenge
1: i didn't say that it was like classy i said it was classier than grandfather classes what i'm saying is it's classier it's another loophole yes but it's a classier
0: loophole it's just another exhibit that one of the two major political parties in this country wants you not to be able to express your voice It's not that they want you to express your voice in support of them and their policies, which they will tell you about. It's that they won't tell you their policies, and they don't want you to have a voice in those policies. And they don't want you to be able to vote against them. And that's scary when it's one of the two major political parties in your entire country.
1: (laughs) Well, why do you say it's classy? Because it's not so obviously bigoted. Because you
0: could easily say, like, if you don't have a driver's license... That too, well, and also you can claim that it's not racist by saying that you're, oh, just going after making sure that illegal immigrants don't vote or something. You can appeal to anti-immigrant sentiment or you can appeal to racial code, but ultimately it's dismissing. Really, it's much more than half of America that they're dismissing. It's all of America but them. And they think that makes them the special ones, but it just makes them the most clear election choice in our lifetimes. (laughs) Now I'll explain to you how difficult, how much more difficult it's become to vote. This is from thinkprogress.org. And this is the headline. It says it all, 20 hours of work and two trips to the DMV, what it takes to get voter ID in Pennsylvania. Shortly before the Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court upheld the state's contentious voter ID law, a state senator predicted chaos, saying it was unequivocally clear that the state cannot pull this off by election day. ABC News reports that Pennsylvania's DMVs are swamped by residents trying to get the appropriate government-issued ID before November 6th. The state has issued 72,000 IDs specifically obtained for voting purposes since the law was enacted in March. To get a non-driver ID, a resident must provide their birth certificate a social security card, and two documents proving residency. Even to obtain a voting-only ID card, which was introduced in late August as an effort to accommodate the thousands of Pennsylvanians without ID, the state requires a social, social, social security number, proof of residence, and a signed affidavit pledging the voter cannot get another form of ID. These requirements are translating into hours-long lines at the DMV and Social Security office, multiple trips to obtain birth certificates and affidavits, and many miles of driving for many rural Pennsylvanians. Oh, that's intense. Oh, and it gets worse. ABC News interviewed one man who is struggling to navigate his 87year-old mother through the burdensome process. Voters who have the six types of documents necessary to apply for the state ID card have limited time to apply. For residents of 13 counties, there is only one day per week that the DMV is open to apply for an ID. And in 10 more counties, it's only open two days per week. For this man and his 87-year-old mother, that limited schedule meant two days of trying in order to get her the ID required to vote, after she mistakenly surrendered her state ID because of a Department of Transportation error. The man's wife had to make two trips to the DMV where she and her mother-in-law waited upwards of four hours to get the ID. All told, he and his wife spent more than twenty hours making calls, writing emails, driving to the DMV, and waiting in lines to get his mother's ID reinstated so she could vote in November.
1: Oh, that's really dedication. Oh
0: my God, that's
1: really that's so much dedication. I can't imagine. I literally cannot imagine any Romney supporter from that video putting that much of an effort out
0: to vote for their candidate. Oh my God, Asia. This is from the bottom. This is like the buried lead at the end of this. The reason why the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which I explained just a second ago, sent the case back to a lower court to hear again, is that the lower court upheld the new voter ID law based on a flimsy precedent from 1868, which warned against letting quote-unquote rogues and strumpets and, quote-unquote, wandering Arabs vote. (laughs) Yeah, it's a grandfather clause, all right. There's your grandfather clause. (laughs) If your grandfather was a wandering Arab, or currently is a wandering Arab, or a rogue, or a strumpet, is that 47%? Either way, that's too many people, and too old a precedent to be basing current fucking voting laws on in two thousand goddamn twelve. I
1: would love for somebody to call me a trumpet to my face.
0: Or a rogue. Isn't that like that seems kind of exciting and adventurous to me.
1: Well that's because of X Men.
0: A dash but, uh, No, no, like a dashing rogue. Even even totally wandering un- Arab has a certain poetry to it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and a just attacked me.
1: Well, it's nice to know that, you know, history doesn't change. It just keeps bloodbinding, do it, and, and waste to repeat itself. And there's something complicated about that, and they're completely terrifying.
0: Well, and also, um, there's a this, there's this saying that history comes first as tragedy, then as farce. And I would say the tragedy of the 21st century has been George W. Bush and the farce was Sarah Palin and now Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan. It really has descended into self-parody because they clearly have nothing left in terms of any constructive idea or policies. They are completely in hock to the extremists they need to vote for them and the extremist crazy rich people they need to give them money to fund them. And yet, the rest of the country is quietly but surely moving on without them. And that gives it's, me hope.
1: My favorite one is those that forget the past begin to repeat it.
0: That's most certainly true.
1: It's the most true thing I
0: think I've ever heard. In a time where we now have all kinds of empirical proof that tax cuts for the rich don't actually grow an economy um, at a time when our government can borrow money at like zero interest because the rest of the world trusts us and trusts our economy. It's insane that people like this were allowed to get this far into our government. But now that their utter absurdity is completely and fully on display It's important to move against them, and it's important to start voting them out strategically and (laughs) 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 all-encompassingly. This has been another episode of By That I Mean. We did do two endings and two introductions. Oh my god, Asia. Every conclusion I have tried to this podcast, you have interrupted. You are literally (laughs) not letting me end this podcast. I don't want to quit you. I want to be quit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could quit you. You don't even talk to me anymore unless we're recording. That's not true at all. I know it's not. (laughs) I just wanted to hear your (laughs) voice go that high. (laughs) Anyways. This has been another episode of I That I Need.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've been Seth Pearson.
1: I've been Asia.
0: And if you like, by that I mean, like us at Facebook dot com slash by that I mean. If you want to tweet us, tweet us at MFP Seth or not at Mitchell three point You can tweet me. I just may or may not res- I will not respond. I'm I'm tired of allowing you to tell people that you may or may not respond. You're not going to respond.
1: I've never been tweeted. tweeted Are you sure? I've been added. I don't think I've been tweeted ever.
0: I'm going to tweet you, Asia.
1: I'm not going to respond to that because, you know.
0: Okay, then someone else out there, and by that I mean (laughs) land, needs to tweet Asia and see if she will actually respond to tweets because Lord knows (laughs) she will not tweet on her own. It will be my first ever tweet if
1: I do respond.
0: It would be unprecedented, truly. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: By that I mean is a production of the MFP Studios in Los Angeles, California. And barring another attempt at not allowing me to be quit, I've had a wonderful time with you over these several nights, Asia. Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds full of certainty.
1: (laughs) Whatever. I used to be quit against my will. (laughs) Fair enough. I had a great time. I hope to do it again one day.
0: Oh, I'll let you join in again one day.
1: Oh, why don't you go fuck yourself?
0: I think I will make myself breakfast instead.
1: <laughs> oh, what are you having?
0: Um, breakfast foods? Probably gonna be some bacon. <laughs> I could
1: have guess that. But
0: what else? And probably an egg. <laughs> Actually, maybe I'll make a gonna- breakfast sandwich. I think I might do yeah, that. I was
1: gonna say, you're halfway to sandwich right now. I need
0: some bread. I'm halfway to sandwich. <laughs>
1: I look forward to recording with you again one day, and I hope that you have a wonderful breakfast sandwich.
0: Why, thank you, my darling. And thank you for recording again with me.
1: You're welcome. It was actually like a chore this time, because I wanted to pass out so bad two hours ago, but I stayed awake for you.
0: You really did soldier on through. (laughs) Thank you for that. No
1: problem.
0: I will talk to you soon.
1: Alright. You'll send it to me, and then I will... Hear how it turns out, and then I will tell you what you exactly. So, so, one day I get to see your face again, my love.
0: I shall see your face again.
1: <laughs>
0: yep. We shall meet once more.
1: <laughs> Good night forever. <laughs>
0: Good night, Irene. am you enough. Okay, bye.